there. I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or 10 minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug because it's time for a caffeinated career double shot K-Cup with my guest, Stephen Hills. I thought it might be interesting, Steve, and valuable for our young listeners to get a sense from you as a strategist as to where you see the media industry heading, not just in 2021, but beyond that. What trends do you see on the horizon? Yeah, I think one thing that's become more clear to people is that quality journalism really matters. So I think the one thing that you are seeing, and I think this will continue, is the real quality brands, Washington Post, New York Times, Wall Street Journal. You know, the real quality brands are going to be able to survive and thrive because it doesn't matter if it's print or digital. It doesn't matter what the form is. Quality journalism matters. Quality journalism is expensive. And so, you know, those, those platforms will continue to thrive, I think, o- over the long term. Then there's going to be a battle and just multitudes of of different kinds of digital content because you can develop high quality digital content at low cost that has a certain, it doesn't have the same kind of scale. But I think there's going to be so many different smaller outlets that then it becomes a very fragmented, very competitive game for all the rest. And And then out of that, they'll emerge... I think a few players who can then try to gain scale as well. But I think there'll be a lot of very high quality content that has relatively low operating costs and there'll be lots of sort of thriving times. And the real question for those firms is how do you create discovery? How do you, how do people find out about you? But that's where social media and other things come in. So, you know, there's, I think really that a few really big players and then just a huge number of small players that can actually end up being relatively successful. So I think that there'll be, you know, in some ways, there's potential for a sort of golden age of new and creative content to emerge. That's amazing. Are you also worried that there'll be a proliferation of fake news outlets and papers like digital papers, I should say, like Breitbart News and others that are actually proliferating lies and yeah, I gave you, I gave you, I gave you the happy side of the street. So <laughs> yeah. now, now, you know, on the sunny side of the street, I'll give you the dark side of the street, which you just talked about. I mean, one of the problems is that the old saying, you know, the lawyers used to say, you know, you you can have your own opinions, but you you know can't have your own facts. Well, now people can have their own facts, and the facts are in quotes. The famous Kellyanne Conway line of alternative facts. So. Unfortunately, you can choose to self-affirmation. Affirmation bias, confirmation bias is a 
a proven problem in our you know logical fallacy we all can fall subject to, which is that we want to hear things that confirm what we believe, even if what we believe is not right. And now with the ability for people to say, let me find people who say what I think, even if it's wrong, even if it's demonstrably not true, that ability will continue. So unfortunately, we're going to see the dark pockets of the web where people can, you know, live a whole life consuming news that isn't right. And there's a whole business model that supports that. So unfortunately, there will be very successful media companies that thrive on that unfortunate tendency in human beings. And so I think that's going to continue as well. Well, when you started at The Post, we didn't have to worry about digital then. <laughs> yeah. Or really about the fake news certainly proliferating. The year was yeah. 1987. Mm-hmm. And to put that into historical context, Ronald Reagan was president in the U.S. A gallon of gas was just 89 cents. And something I know my 16-year-old son would really care about, the first episode of the show The Simpsons aired. (laughs) Um, Right? Mm -hmm. And in terms of the journalism industry, specifically print journalism, it was thriving. Mm -hmm. If you fast forwarded to when you took over as president and general manager in 2002, how were things looking then for print journalism? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting because, and I'd started out as a print journalist out in California. I was a sports reporter for San Mateo Times. And I started the publication myself out there, did it for a couple of years. So I, I started on both the, first the journalism side, then the journalism and business combined side. And, but when I came out, I think I came out of business school, handwriting was on the wall already that there was, there were problems, you know, so you could see, you know, circulation had peaked, it was starting to decline and digital was, you know, just starting to to become more prevalent. And, And so pretty clear, pretty early on by 1992, it became quite clear to me and to a lot of others that, that the print publication was in real jeopardy because of the internet. And so by the time I took over as GM, that was just crystal clear. But there were still debates because it was very successful, very financially successful. But, you know, many, many people could see where it was heading. So we really could see that there was a tidal wave coming that would change the business model fundamentally. And for for reasons I won't get into in too much depth because it's actually fairly complicated. A lot of people didn't really understand where the economics came from. But to put it very briefly, the, the economics of journalism never was supported. So people never paid for the quality of journalism. What made newspapers so powerful was classified advertising. You know, people had, you could send pre-printed advertising and you could send your homes for sale. If you wanted a job, if you want to look for a car, that was what created all the money. It was a distribution monopoly, a print and distribution monopoly that no one could deal with and no one, no one could really compete with. And then journalism became an afterthought because of the profits generated from that Papers like the Post were able to plow the money into journalism. So people think that journalism created the audience, created the money. It was actually the audience for all the things, including classified, created the marketplace, created the print distribution monopoly that allowed the profits that then funded the journalism. So the problem was once that was stripped away, once the classified products were stripped away, then the business model was really challenged. 
Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.